Welcome to Momentum Church. church family. I just want to take a moment and say good morning to each of you. And also, I want to just take a second and say that when we go through difficult, difficult times, and, and family, we're going through some difficult times right now. It is so amazing that we know we have a heavenly father that we can lean into. And it feels good to be able to call upon our spiritual you know, father, to be able to lean into him and, and to find strength from him. But you know what? God does things through people as well. And sometimes it's just an amazing thing to be able to um, be touched by a person's life that, that, that you can hug and, and feel and know. And there's somebody in my life that through the years has been a spiritual father to me, and that's Pastor Thomas Blair. And right now it's an amazing thing that he is down having vacation with his son and family. And I got to thinking about today and our church family. 15 years ago, we moved here from Mansfield, Ohio, where we had come to plant Momentum Church. And my pastor, Pastor Blair, he was the man who literally championed us in coming to establish this family that we have here. And so in a sense, he's granddad of the house. And, and as we're going through this, I don't know about you, I love I have a heavenly father I can lean into. But listen, I love I have a spiritual father that I can lean into. And I was talking to him this week, and I just asked him, I said, Pastor, would you mind, as kind of the granddad of this house, <laughs> would you just come and love on our people? Would you just come and speak life and just speak hope into our family's hearts? And so at this time, I want you to welcome with me the spiritual granddaddy, if you will, of this house, my pastor, Pastor Thomas Blair. Oh. Oh my gosh, how are you supposed to follow and live up to all of that? Thank you for coming. You're dismissed. Let's beat the Baptists to the restaurant. We're allowed to go now, so all right. So thank you so much, uh, Momentum family, for having us here today. Normally, as a guest, you're supposed to, you know, thank all of the dignitaries and the people responsible and blah, blah, blah. But, but Pastor Jared has already started the tick-down clock in the back. And they have warned me that really horrible things will happen if I go over the 24 minutes and 21 seconds that's left. So I really want to get into what we're doing, but just let's say that I've known most of your pastoral staff and their spouses since they were teenagers. I really don't remember how old Pastor Ross was when I hired him as, as my uh, associate pastor. I think he was 12. <laughs> it just seems like that. And I've known them before they were married. I got to do their wedding. I got to do Pastor Jared and Charlotte's wedding. Jared was so upset he didn't get to play a ZZ Top song to come in on. I mean, you guys, you need to have my wife and I over to your home for dinner because we can tell endless amazing stories that are so embarrassing about your staff. And we've known all of their kids since they were little bumps on mama's bellies and um, just cannot overexpress how, how proud we are. We remember the days in the movie theater here. We remember the days at the storefront. And, and oh my gosh, it's just, it's so awesome. We're just so in love with all of you. So, but today I want to get to the message because Jared's clock is clicking. And I've, I've entitled this message, Seeing the Small Picture. And there's only about a dozen of you actually in front of me, but you all look concerned. Pastor, isn't that supposed to be the big picture? They always say we need, no, we're going to go with the small picture. 
Because the things of God, a lot of times, are, are like if you held up a big, huge diamond and, and, and you were to shine light through that, when you shine it through one direction, you, you man, that's amazing. But when you, when you walk around it, you see different colors and, and it, it, from different perspectives. And, and it's almost like that angel, the Bible says, that from the beginning of time, there's been an angel that flies around the throne room of God, and he cries out, holy, holy, holy. And you would think after all eternity of just flying around God, you'd, there'd be nothing new to see. But our God is so amazing. He is so glorious. He is so fresh and brand new. He's the ancient of days, but he always is the freshest, most on-the-spot God. And that angel's still going, holy, holy, holy. And so I kind of want to look at what we're all kind of dealing with here. And I want to look at it from the small picture. We're going to see the small picture. And normally as a pastor, you got to spend time with people convincing them that there's a problem so that you can propose to them your solution to the problem. And listen, I don't have to do that this morning. We know the soup we're swimming in right now. I mean, it really is, you know, all about the COVID stuff. And man, aren't we getting tired of that? People are getting to the point where they're getting a little weary of those restrictions. I, listen, here's an announcement. I got to eat at Waffle House yesterday. <laughs> and I'll tell you how bad it is. No, Waffle House is not bad. My wife and I were the only people in there. I'm thinking... The earth as we know it is coming to an end. We're, some of the bigger cities are getting really a lot of pushback on, on the restrictions, but we know it. Man, the political environment is just toxic. Whatever the subject is, people go to this corner and the other people go to that corner and they throw rocks at each other and nobody's listening to each other. And anybody that dares to venture out in the middle to try to find some middle ground gets rocks from both sides. It's just toxic. Man, you just can't even listen to the news. It's just, ah. and And social media, I know there's a place for it, but wow, it just seems like it gives the extreme viewpoints way more exposure than they deserve. And then, then you have some personal failures by a good friend and a leader that you trusted and you're suffering through that. And then we come up with this unbelievable racial upheaval when, um, when Ahmaud Arbery was shot on the road in southern Georgia. Guys, I've got family that live right down there. We've got two grandsons that uh, my son Andy and Katie adopted out of Ethiopia. And those boys are tall enough, they look me in the eye. When I saw that picture, the man with the shotgun and that young man falling, I couldn't even watch the whole video. It just struck my heart. And, and then the horrible police murder of Floyd George Floyd up in Minneapolis. I mean, it's just beyond horrific. And you know what? As believers, man, life has just gone upside down. And it happens so quick. And it can leave us with a feeling of desperation, 
a feeling of coldness, a feeling like, man, what is going to happen? Is, is, do, do we even have a future? Is America as we know it? Is it even going to exist? And I want to talk to you today about seeing the small picture. Rather than the big picture, I want us to look at the small picture. So if you got your Bibles, I'm old school, man. You need your Bibles. You're gonna, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 9. And, and it starts out with this. It says, let your love be without hypocrisy. In other words, be real. Don't be fake. Let this thing come out of your very most inner being. And then it says, abhor what is evil. Well, man, we sure have a smorgasbord of stuff to pick. That's evil to abhor. But then it says, cling to what is good. Don't you find it harder to find something to hang on to? I mean, wow, every news story is bad, and everybody's screaming and yelling at each other. And so I want to talk about the big picture versus the little picture. When you think of the big picture, basically, a big picture means you back up. You try to you try to stop looking here, and you try to look at the overall thing, and you try to think, how is this going to affect the future? That's big picture. Back up, look at the big thing. How's it going to be future? But the little picture, the small picture is you don't back up, you lean in. And you're not looking at the big force. You're looking at right what is in front of you. And you're looking not as to how this is going to play out in the future, because I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But I'm looking at what is in front of me right now. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find people. Man, when the worship team sang that wonderful song, man, there's no mountain, there's no hill, there's no wall, there's nothing that's going to get in the way of God coming after me. Listen, friends, that's you right now. And in the midst of all this big stuff, listen, I don't know how to fix the police department in Minnesota. I don't know how to fix the judicial mess down there in South Georgia. I, don't, I can't fix hundreds of years of racism, but I can be Jesus to the person that's in front of me. And a couple of years ago, I am... I, um, when I was younger, I was, I was a professional musician. I was playing professional just about when I was 16, 15, 16 years old. And man, when I went into ministry, I got away from that. And just about five years ago, the Lord just nudged me. And I said, hey, Lord, I put all that stuff in the closet. I mean, it, it really got me in trouble. I, I, I was shooting heroin in my arms. I was just a mess. And when I got saved and filled with the Spirit, I put all that stuff away. And God said, you did. He says, but I, I, I didn't tell you to put that away. He says, let's get it back out. And man, doors started opening. I, I was recruited by our musicians union and, um, and became a half owner in a, in, a, in a jazz band that last, the last three years, we averaged 260 paid engagements a year. This coming Friday, we're in four venues in the same night. Well, you can imagine, I got a little bit of pushback at my church. Because pastor is now entertainment at places that we teach our youth people you shouldn't be at. And I was just up front with them the whole time. I said, people, here's what's happening. Here's what's opening up. And I said to them, look, I have lived in a Christian bubble for 36 years. I come to a Christian job site. I work with Christian people. We got a daycare. I'm surrounded by all these kids. I said, 
I need to get back into marketplace evangelism. And so we did. We started playing places as they opened up to us. And, um, and I had one guy that just gave me fits on it. He, he just gave me fits. And rather than letting him control my life, I started using him as my bottom line. If I'm playing somewhere, and I'm thinking, and this guy's name is Mike, and, and it's not the Mike that you think of, Mike, all you Mansfield people. This is Mike hardly anybody knows. Here's my Mike test. I thought, man, if I'm here and Mike walks in the door right now, am I ashamed of where I'm at? And sometimes the answer was, you wouldn't like this. So next time, I'd schedule one of my subs to play that one for me. So I was playing this place one night, and um, it was really on the, on the bottom of the bottom. I mean, as far as my acceptability. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to play this gig anymore. I'm going to get my subs on this one. And I'm in Ohio, and, I'm in, and, and it's in February. It was a microbrewery, and the place was packed out. And I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to play this place anymore. And I walked outside on my first break, and I'm standing in the snow. And the head bartender for one of the biggest venues in our region walks out behind me. And I'd known her for five years. Because I'd spent five years convincing musicians and venues that I'll soon safe. People are afraid of pastors. They assume you're going to point and yell at them. I spent five years proving to musicians and venues that I was safe and that I was real. And I walked out there in the dark, and I'm standing in the snow saying, I'm not coming back here. It's just a little too rowdy for me. And out walks this head bartender from another venue. She looks at me, and she starts crying. She says, my mom died about six months ago. And I don't know what's going to happen to my soul. And right there in front of the Phoenix Brewery on a snowy February in Ohio, I led that lady to Jesus right there on the sidewalk. And I walked back in. We played another 45-minute jazz. I walked back outside. And the, the largest catering organization in a four-county area the owner of that catering area followed me out on the sidewalk, and he's crying. He said, my wife's divorcing me, man. I go, no, really? Because you're going to find a passage of Scripture in here that says this. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And I'm telling you, that is the greatest qualification for ministry, for being effective for Jesus, for being someone that, okay, I care about the big picture, but I'm going to look at the small picture, and I've got somebody in front of me, and if they're rejoicing, I'm going to rejoice with them. And if they're crying, I'm going to cry with them. And if you can do that, then you are 90% on your way to being effective for the things of God. And here that guy was, and he's crying, and we're standing in front of the place that my buddy Mike would not want me to be at. And I grabbed him by the hand and led him to the Lord. And he went back in. And I was thinking, every pastor in this city would have loved to have been on this sidewalk tonight with me. But not one of them approve of what I've done for the previous three hours to get to that sidewalk. And you know what? And, and I was really open with the church. Told them where I was at, what I was doing. Every Sunday I'd tell them my stories. 
And it was early. I was. I got a call from from the musicians' union to go play a place. And they said, "Well, no, it's it's an Elks Club. It's a really nice place, and you're gonna be entertainment." And I went there, and we are in the bar, and and it was rowdy. And I'm thinking, man, I I am a Pentecostal holiness pastor, and I'm in this bar. And during the break, my wife came up. And I go, Terry, how you doing? She goes, you see that guy through the bar? I go, yeah. She said, he's hitting on me. And my response to her was, and I told our whole church this, I said, babe, you're 56 years old. Enjoy the moment. <laughs> the church is cracking up. So I wasn't trying to sneak around. They knew where I was. They knew what I was doing. They saw the church. They saw the musicians coming in. They saw these guys in the rowdy place joining our worship team. And, and it all is about that passage, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, just be with the people in front of you. Yesterday, just, just the, the, it, was, it was a day all over the nation of, 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 I don't know if you call it protests or demonstrations or what it was. All the cities had it. And um, being a musician, I spend a lot of time with people of color. And I know you're not supposed to say that. You can't say, but I got a lot of black friends. Racist. But I'm a musician. And so I, I text my friend Jeff. He's my trumpet and vocal man. And Jeff and I spend hundreds of hours together. I text him, Jeff, you doing okay? This Minneapolis stuff is crazy. I'm worried about my friend Jeff. Let me know how you're doing. So then I text my friend Tark. He's a man of color. He's, he's, he's a drummer. I work with Tark. You doing okay, man? I'm worried about you. Then I texted Connie, and, and Connie's the gal that worked for us in the, in the daycare. And she's a big black gal. Man, she can do Etta James and Ella Fitzgerald. And, and she was singing around the church, and I started nudging her out. And now Connie is the single most famous musician in our region. The Renaissance Theater writes programs for her. And and I text Connie, Connie, how are you doing in this mess? And Connie texts me. She goes, Pastor, I was at the protest demonstration in Mansfield. And she made her, and I knew that God wanted me to sing Amazing Grace. And she made her way to the microphone. And when Connie comes to the microphone, nobody says no. You, Connie gets the microphone. She's the music director for Miss America for the Ohio State Public Pageant. And Connie grabbed that mic, and she sang Amazing Grace to all those angry people. And they were people that had a reason to be angry. They got a reason to be angry, but it's what do you do with your anger? What do you, what do, you do with it? And my buddy Jeff was in the crowd. He goes, man, Connie started singing Amazing Grace, and I started crying, and everybody else was crying, and the peace of God came over that place. But my next text was to my buddy Gary. And Gary's an Ohio State patrolman. Gary, you doing okay? This is getting crazy. And he texts me back. He goes, Pastor, I'm on my way to Columbus. They've knocked out 28 windows out of the state house. They're trying to burn it down. I got to be there for security tonight. So here I am. One of my best friends is on the platform at the demonstration, she's singing Amazing Grace. One of my best friends is over here in Columbus, and he's wearing the uniform. And then I'm calling his wife. Hey, man, I have prayed 
the angels of heaven upon your husband tonight. He's going to be all right. And I said to Gary, I said, Gary, listen, I don't care what time you get off. You call me when you're done. He goes, Pastor, well, I'll be done about 3 a.m. I said, Gary, I don't love you that much. Just text me. I'll talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) And he called his wife to tell her what I had said. And she said, Pastor, that's the first time he has laughed since that young man got shot in South Georgia. I can't fix racism myself. I can't fix the police department in Minnesota. I don't know what to do with that. But you know what? I've decided that in my life, I've just assumed the idea that that every face of color that I'm going to meet, and that's just not black people. I've spent a lot of time in Central America. We have actually brought four families out of El Salvador and sponsored them. And, and, put, and gave them jobs and got them attorneys and got them legalized and they're just family to me. I've decided in my life, every face of color, I'm just going to assume that at some point they have had some level of, of, of racism come into their life. And I've decided I can't undo hundreds of years of that, but I can make sure their four seconds with me is good. Wow. I'll hold the door. Look me in the eye. Hey, man, how you doing today? And, and even young guys, teenagers, they always call him sir. Call him sir. Give him respect. Give, give the guys shoving the cheeseburgers out the window at McDonald's. Give that young man a tip. Thank you, sir. I appreciate what you're doing. Make that five seconds count. And I know that Jesus was the only one who really was successful at doing the big picture and the small picture at the same time. He could do the Sermon on the Mount, but he could see the little guy laying in the dirt, begging. He could do, he could feed the 7,000, but he made time to get over here to see the woman at the well. Hey, she was the wrong people. She was in the wrong part of town. She had the wrong theology. That thing was totally messed up, and Jesus completely made sure he spent time with her. That's the small picture, people. And listen, you got to be careful as believers. If, if we are spending hours and hours of our day, listen, Christians, this old pastor is going to get on you now. If you're spending hours a day listening to argument radio, no matter which end you're on, argument radio runs 24 hours a day. And it doesn't matter if you agree their basic principle, but if you're sucking in eight or nine hours a day of argument radio and then you watch argument television, What has happened is you are a person that the Spirit of God lives inside of. And slowly, the culture has convinced you that you need to prepare yourself for the next argument rather than preparing ourselves for the next spiritual encounter. And it happens so slow, you don't know it. Bible says, man, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Don't set your mind on high things. If possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And you can do it every single day. I was at Pastor Corey's house yesterday. I saw this older black gentleman. He's walking down the road, and he was moving slow, and it was hot. And I shot the refrigerator. I'm looking for a Coke. I'm looking for a bottle of water. I can't tell you how many times in my house I go to the mailbox. 
I don't go to get the mail. I go because there's a face of color walking by. And I go to the mailbox, and I look him in the eye. Man, how you doing? How's the day going? Good to see you. Man, it's a crazy time we're living in. That stuff's crazy, isn't it? You all right? You okay? All right. I just, I, I do that. I do it. And it's being in the moment. It's getting the small picture. We had a lady move in across the street from us, and she's a single mom. She's a black lady, got a little girl about four years old. And got a guy about 18 that's there. I think it's a brother or something. I don't know. I haven't figured it out. Man, I saw him moving in, and man, Terry and I went old school. We baked cookies. Cookies survive the test of time. I think some Moses would have taken Pharaoh a plate of cookies. It might have gone better. I'm not sure. <laughs> we introduced ourselves. We took over the cookies. And, and man, I, I make sure I wave at them every time they get in the car and speak to them. And on Mother's Day, I saw her over there mowing the yard and a little four-year-old sitting on the porch. And I bought my wife flowers, so I swiped one of her long stem carnations. And I go running around the side of the tree, and I'm whispering for her. Come here, come here, come here. What? She runs out, and I gave her these carnations. She runs out to the lawnmower and gives her mom, and mom sees me disappear. That's just building trust. You don't go over there and holler, do you believe in the blood of Christ and the Lamb of God? And have you, is your name in the book of, all that stuff's important. But you got to pay the price to get there. Yeah. you got to be safe, and you got to be real. And you can do this. Focus on the little picture. Listen, let me give you one more warning. In the day of social media, the temptation is to just go on Facebook and rant and rave and tell them what you think. And then you sit down and I did my part. Now I can go back to binging Netflix. And we feel justified. We drew the line in the sand. We told everybody what we thought. Be careful about quitting. I can't have this. I quit. Well, that may be a big social statement but you remember if you quit you've lost all opportunity to affect that organization and that place in a positive way don't let yourself get drug into making symbolic statements and stands almost wish we could sing this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine hide it under a bushel nope going to let it shine because we're going to look at the little picture and that's the people right in front of us Jesus help us God give us eyes to see give us ears to hear God help us not get caught up in the noise dear Jesus our politics are a mess our media is a mess our friends of color are scared. God, help us to be who you need us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.